Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Pew. I am your host, John Edwards, and I am so excited to once again bring you another one of these bonus episodes of Just a Guy in the Pew. If you've been following what we've been doing lately, you know that we have brought on several of our favorite Catholic presenters, speakers, evangelists, and religious lately to share in what they're doing in their own apostolate, but also to bring you messages of hope in this time of the world that we find ourselves that sometimes can be a little hard to find hope. So, Today is not going to be any different. We're going to have on one of uh, my favorite Catholic presenters and speakers in Chris Stefanik. But before I bring him up, I want to tell you a little bit about Chris. Chris uh, is an internationally acclaimed author, speaker, and television host who's devoted his life to inspiring people to live a bold and contagious faith. He's the recipient of a papal medal. He's a graduate of uh, Franciscan University at Steubenville. He's also the founder and president of Real Life Catholic but above all, I think he'd be glad to tell you that he's most proud of being the husband to Natalie and the father to his six children, and now, I believe, one grandchild. So uh, without further ado, I will bring up my friend here, Chris Stefanik. Chris, it's good to be with you, brother. Good to be here, man. Thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Good well, it's just... Face. Yeah, you too. I've talked to you a bunch of times. I've not, I've not like talked to you face to face before, so it's that's awesome. Sure. And so yeah. I, I'm gonna confuse the viewers. I'm looking down at you here and looking up at the screen there, so I'll be back and forth. <laughs> but I'm looking at John here, and when I can't handle looking at him anymore, I'll look up there at the screen anyway. <laughs> well, you may be looking at the screen most of the time then. So, <laughs> well, man, it's great to have you. Thanks for taking the time. I know you've got a lot going on, but you know, I was telling you before the before we got on here for the interview. You know, part of what we do in Just a Guy on the Pew is we really minister to men, um, which is a needed thing in this world today, as you know very well. And some oh, yeah. of the things that w- the questions we get a lot are men dealing with this stuff that we see in the culture right now. Uh, you know, the the uh, cancel culture and wokeism and all of this stuff. And a lot of guys are confused to what it yeah. is. Uh, you know, a lot of people have referred to wokeism as the new religion of the West. There's a lot of yep. crazy things yep. out there. And so I know you've spoken a lot on this and, and that you would have some insightful things to say. So I just kind of want to start there with where are we in the world right now with all this stuff? And where should we be as, as fathers and husbands in the midst of all of this? Yeah. Well, it really does help to put a name on something. And the names are often inadequate. And I've been challenged before that, uh, you know, a lot of people are denying that there is such a thing as wokeism or any bias against conservatism or Christians in, in Western civilization right now, which is absurd. It's ridiculous sure. to, to deny that. You don't have to look far to see it, um, to see it in universities, to see it in schools, to see it uh, in workplaces where you, you have to go through mandatory trainings and sign pieces of paper about things you disagree with, to see it in Hollywood. Man, I, I know people who are f- famous, well-known Catholics who, I, if I ask them to do anything with us, a real-life Catholic, I mean, they're, 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 they're afraid, and they should be for their career. Um, I mean, try getting a career in, in Hollywood right now. If you come out and say uh, what you think about things like marriage or Jesus, um, so it's 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 a, it's a wild time. Uh, but I, I but it's easy for people who want to discount it to attack it because it's very difficult to put a name, one uh, all-encompassing, accurate title on a cultural trend. You know, so so that's what we're trying to do here. But it, but it's also helpful. It's also helpful because. Um, you know, we use language for, for uh, defining things so we know what we're dealing with. It, it really does help you wrap your brain around it, although incompletely. But I'll, I'll give you my best shot at what the heck is going on. <laughs> well, that's all we ask. That's all I ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, 
I see religion, uh, one great, great way to understand it is and how it affects how we see life is a frame. You know, I, I've worked with great people in cinematography and photography in, in our ministry. Uh, not many people know, but I'm also a model on this. I'm kidding. I'm not a model, <laughs> but, but no, but, but, but really people, people who have an artistic sense work with our ministry because we, we try to make the message as beautiful as possible. And I asked one of my friends who's, uh, you know, DP, a director of photography, videoed me for a lot of things. I'm like, man, what's where did you discover your gift for this? Because he didn't even mm. study it in college. And he said, you know, I just I realized that I'm really good at seeing things in a in a square. Mm. <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> what a beautiful and simple summary of of what you do, man. You know, uh, but here's the thing: if someone's a great artist, that that actually summarizes it pretty well. They put a frame around things. And if they're a good artist, their frame is going to expand how you see reality and not shrink it. You know, if, if you're a great photographer, you're going to take a picture of a little tiny flower at the base of the Himalayas. And, and it's going to shrink the Himalayas to a three by five. But somehow it's going to expand how you see the entire Himalayas. Mm. You know, that's what religion does for us. You know, it, it's, it's supposed to it's, it, it's a frame that helps you make sense of reality and defines things. But uh, a true faith is also one that expands your experience of reality and shows you beauty that you wouldn't see without that frame. Uh, mm. And that's what the gospel does for us, man. You know, it's like, I, I don't, I don't just see Jesus as part of the picture in my life. I don't just see the gospel event as part of the picture. It's the frame through which I see everything yeah. in the picture in a new way. It's the frame through which I look at you right now. Uh, the, the way I look at the poor, the way I look at, my purpose in life, the way I look at where I'm going and why on earth I'm here. Uh, that's the frame. Wokeism is, is um, it's not just an idea that there is such a thing as injustice in the world as part of the frame. Wokeism would say that the frame, the frame through which we see each other, through which we see uh, our story of life, uh, all human interactions, human nature, the trajectory of history is is simply injustice and sure. the, the struggle for of the oppressed against the oppressor. And that's it. That's how they sum up everything. Uh, and it's, a, it's, um, it's, it's not a frame that expands your view of reality or of your fellow man or uh, it, it causes any joy or charity or mercy for that matter. It, it's a frame that shrinks everything. Uh, another, another way to look at it, uh, another great definition that I got from my friend Ryan Lovett, who I work with, is nothing yeah. but ism. Nothing but ism, because uh, it's it's reductionist, right? And instead mm -hmm. of saying that yes, there's such a thing as injustice, there's such a thing as racism, there's such a thing as sexism. Well, these things are all real. Um, uh, while this phrase is completely overused, uh, you think of homophobia and the, and the claims of people when they say you're homophobic. Well, it's true that in in, in parts of history and in some people, there is a uh, a genuine fear or rage or anger uh, where people are mistreated if they if they uh, are same-sex attracted or if they struggle with gender dysphoria. Nothing but ism would say, no, 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 that's not just part of the, the picture. It's not just part of reality that we deal with. It's nothing but that. Yeah. Uh, and this is this is how we get, uh, you know, there's an article written in, in a, a London paper recently that said the title of the article was <laughs> Roads Designed by Men Are Killing Women. And it was about cycling deaths. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Uh, 
Uh, this is why people look at, at the 2000 year history of the church. And has there been racism in the history? Yes. Uh, I, I, I read a, a, a quote from a pope not long ago uh, from the 1500s saying it's, it's okay to, uh, to go and enslave people in Africa uh, if they're not Christians. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's a problem. You know, no, this is not an official moral teaching of the church, but it was a, it was a letter to another government. And, uh, you know, so, so yeah, there's, there's been incidences of this, uh, but nothing but as would say that the Catholic church is nothing but a, a racist institution because of yeah. that. 2000 years, you get, was a, there's a billion of us on this, on this planet right now, but no, no, it's, it's, that's it. It's nothing but that. Uh, they would say that marriage is nothing but an institution to exclude people who are same sex attracted uh, or to suppress women, nothing but. It's a really disgusting, uh, harshly judgmental Puritan. It's like a Puritanism with no redeemer, with no mercy, yeah. with no God. It's a it's a way that looks at reality that shrinks all things to that nothing but, and uh, it's miserable. I, I don't I don't think people are generally happy who see the world this way. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more, and and I think that's that's something that you notice in the culture right now, there's not a lot of joy floating around, right? It's always, you turn on the news, you look at the paper, your kids are coming home with, especially if they're in public schools and stuff, and they're getting taught all this new philosophy that's sort of being forced down their throats. And it leaves you as a Christian sometimes going, man, this is everything this is, is against everything that we believe. And it's like a tidal wave, you know? It's just, it's coming after oh, us, just pounding us one after that's another. Right. It's just yeah. crazy. And you look at it like, what am I supposed to do? And I think a lot of people yeah. we feel and, and, you know, it's sort of a test. Right. I, you know, for us as Christians, we're supposed to live our faith. And a lot of us don't feel real comfortable all the time living our faith. And then you throw this cancel culture stuff on it. And you're like, well, man, if I say something at work or if I speak up about what I believe in the loving and healing graces of Jesus Christ, then all of a sudden I'm erased, right? I'm I'm fired. I lose my job. I'm no longer allowed to come to school functions or whatever it is. And it's a tremendous worry and anxiety, I think, of a lot of people right now. Yeah. yeah. And it's a rightly placed anxiety and fear uh, that the Lord calls us to overcome fear. But uh, yeah. and, and, the, and the fear of uh, the, the place that cancel culture comes from is that when you have a, a Christian worldview, when you have that frame for reality and other people don't get that worldview, well, the worldview you have as a Christian, the frame is giving you joy and mm. it should drive you to mercy toward people who don't have it with you and you want to bring them in. You know, so it's it's conversion is the goal. Uh, it's it's convergence, yeah. reaching out to them in the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, when you when your worldview is is can, is uh, is wokeism, then then the only thing you want to do for people who don't share the frame is to cancel them, is to get rid of them, and uh, and there's a profound dishonesty in the way people do it. You know, part of our frame is that we we have this thing called objective truth that we have to bow to. And I don't think people who are true parts of you know true members of the Church of woke um, they they don't ascribe to that. There's not a, a sense of fairness or justice. Uh, I mean, they're literally playing pretend, John. I mean, yeah. if, if you say anything, if you say anything questioning uh, the narrative uh, about gay marriage or transge transgenderism, anything at all, I mean, not not only are they saying, hey, I, I disagree with you, th there's a there's this, oh, how could you possibly think yeah. that? No sure. one's ever thought that. And we'll keep repeating the line that no one's ever thought that this is an abhorrent an unthinkable view that you have, you intolerant Christian. In 2008, Obama said he was against gay marriage. I mean, this is 
There was no one even in the gay community, almost no one even in the gay community, who was asking for gay marriage until like right. 2010. Like it was not, or 2007 or so. It wasn't a big movement. It wasn't a thing. Uh, and, and after 2015, and, and a, a gay marriage became the law of the land, transgenderism was still widely unaccepted. Yeah. Uh, that the gender dysphoria was treated pretty much universally as, uh, I, I'd hope not cruelly, though sometimes I'm sure it sure. was, uh, but as, as a, a mental problem and disorder and a, a dysphoria that caused someone pain that didn't, that the, that the solution, it, wasn't, it was never a no-brainer to anyone. That this should be treated by forcing everyone around this person to, to pretend, sure. with this person. That, that I mean, that's that's not how you treat that disconnect from reality. But now it's a given so much that that you are a hateful, bigoted person. And how could anyone possibly have ever thought this way? I mean, you you literally have to be lying to yourself to pretend to not see that anyone's ever thought differently. Because I'm I'm not that old, and I remember ancient history. We're talking like things are dropped like this Bronze Age thinking. Bronze Age? You mean 2010? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you mean by Bronze Age? Because <laughs> yeah. we were all here. I'm not sure if you if you realize that I was watching. Like I was here sure. with you. Like we were yeah, you can't make other. up this thing and convince me of it. I actually witnessed it. I lived through it. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, you but, know. but you know what? If the end goal of getting you canceled and moved out of the way, because if you stand in the way of justice, I mean, and if they're right about you, John, that you are an embodiment of hatred, bigotry, that you're part of the problem, and there is no objective truth, uh, and there's no mention of God or eternal judgment, well, then, it, then the strategy makes perfect sense. I mean, all we got to do is get rid of John. And then everybody's yeah. happy. Yeah. You know, and it, it reminds me when I think about this stuff, like being on the playground when you're a little kid and you have like an argument with somebody and the other person yeah. puts their fingers in their ears and they go, la, 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 la. And they start shouting over you, being louder than yeah. you, because eventually yeah. you will stop and give up. You'll get frustrated <laughs> yeah. and go home. Or you'll just yeah. you look like a fool, right? And that's exactly what this okay. is. And one of the dangers that I see in it, Chris, too, is that, um, this also teaches us to care way more than we should about what everybody else in the world thinks about us and what we're doing. Now, granted, in, in Christian charity, we have to love one another. We need to be tolerant and, and understanding of other people. But oftentimes, these things push us to being over-concerned with what people think and say about what we're doing. And it creates that fear and instills that fear inside of us to not want to offend anybody or not to speak my true mind or not to be honest with who I am and what I believe to profess. And I profess is the truth of my life, that Jesus Christ came to this world and died for each and every one of us so that we could be with his Father in heaven. And so often yeah. that keeps us quiet because we don't want to offend people because we don't want to not be liked. We don't want, you know, we want to be included in all of these things. So it plays on a natural fear in us to like be isolated and alone from other people because of our opinions. And the thing is like our, our main concern of our life should be the opinion of God in heaven. Right. And of, Amen. of his son, Jesus Christ. He, he's the one that we're eventually going to have to answer to in our life. Not all of these people down here that thought a certain way and chastised for thinking different us for thinking differently. So what yeah. do you say about that? Because I, I think that's a huge problem is, we don't want to be seen as different, but that's exactly what Christianity calls us to, is to be different. That's right, man. Yeah. And I think, I think God is, is purifying us through this. I mean, he, he allows mm -hmm. resistance on his church. He allows resistance on us as individuals. If I want to build my bicep, what do I do? I put resistance on my bicep. Yeah. You know, there's particular ways that he's allowing resistance right now to purify his people. 
Um, and there's a, and I think that he wants us to, to, to hang with him on the cross, to have that balance of truth and love. You know, they, there's a, I think it was uh, Edith Stein who said truth without, without love is, is cruelty. If she didn't say it, she should have, because it's a great saying. I'm attributing it to her right now. Um, and, that, and it's true, right? I mean, there's, and there's been times in our, in our history uh, where we've had truth without a lot of overt mercy, especially with some of the, the issues like the LGBT thing, uh, in part because of a lack of understanding of, of what people are experiencing with this, you know? Sure. Um, I, I mean, gosh, how, how old are you, John? I'm 42. I'm 45, right? And we remember, I'm mean, a Generation X remembers, like it was not uncommon when we were in high school, if someone had a lisp, that was merciless. Oh, yeah. it was, people were merciless to that kid, you oh, know? Yeah. So, so there's, a, there's some people acting out of a pain of like, hey, that, that was also something we don't forget. That was yesterday, you know? Sure. Um, that, that, that was culturally acceptable, uh, which is tragic, you know? Um, it, it, so there's, there's the... There's the way there's ways that I think that we've needed to refine our, our messaging and our hearts and to show that, yes, we have truth. But, man, we we, we better have love, um, and not because of what people will think about us, but because of what God thinks. And uh, right. But but there's but but the flip side, all this love and acceptance with no truth to guide it. Uh, which is where we've come when the pendulum swings in society, right? Sure. So we have all this love and acceptance, but no truth. Uh, unless, of course, you're a conservative Christian. I just <laughs> oh, <laughs> love and acceptance for you. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it, when you have that, I mean, what do you have? I mean, you have like a you have you know, it's not actual love. It's it's like a sentimentality at best. It's it's total abandonment yeah. at worst. I mean, when when you're teaching driver's ed, you're not going to tell kids, you know, just follow your heart. I mean, abandon those <laughs> yellow lines because yeah. that those kept. Poor father's limited. <laughs> like, no, the yellow lines actually do help. It hasn't always been communicated right uh, or with the proper mercy sometimes that people don't know how to drive in them. Uh, but they, they're pretty dang helpful, you know, if, if we're going to reach our, our, our goal in life and what we're created for. So the, the challenge, uncomfortable place that we're being called to right now is, is, a, is a truth that just doesn't compromise. And a love that just says, I'm not going to stop. Sure. You can try to cancel me. But here I am. And then who do we become exactly like? Jesus Christ. I see those arms struck out. Yep. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, and it's not it's not comfortable. But that's how we're supposed to be right now. You know? Yeah. And, and right now, I think we're experiencing the pain point of, of your, your cancel if you say anything true. Sure. You know, I, 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 this guy's this uh, biologist who he worked at a university. He, had, he came to me recently after I gave a talk. He's like, yeah, I just I had to quit my job because they brought me through this workshop where i had to sign all these things saying i that, that i uh basically agree with the secular agenda when it comes to same-sex attraction and gender identities like i'm not mean to people i'm not doing witch hunts i i know how to work and stay in my lane and and yeah. respect people who disagree with me but that wasn't enough that wasn't enough for them uh so i literally had to quit my job and praise god he found another one but this is the stuff that people that's on the line right uh there there's a there's a massive agenda that's not going to leave you alone uh, so it, but to keep loving those people is really hard because it's it, love your enemies hard. Yeah, it is. You know, it, 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 is. It, it's so hard that most of the times we pretend not to have any enemies. I mean, a lot of people in church <laughs> leadership, are like you don't have enemies. Well, if we didn't have them, Jesus wouldn't say to love them. So we right. have them. <laughs> Amen. It's, it's okay you... to call them that even and recognize the fact that they're there. Yeah. And you know, there's something that I want to speak to too here. Uh, because a lot of times when we're talking about the cancel culture, wokeism, um, we speak as 
in terms of others, right? I mean, you see it uh, within the faith. You know, we, we as Christians are called to be the example, the light of the world. But so often, Chris, I don't know about you, but I know I have a lot of great Catholics in my life. I hop on social media and they're attacking other Catholics, right? Our mass is holier than yours. Or if you don't do this this way, you're not, you know, you're not doing things the right way. Or and using words like they and them and those people. And you see this yeah. within the church and it always makes me think, uh, and look, I've probably been guilty of it at some point in my life too. I'm not, you know, these hands aren't necessarily clean, but, um, you know, what I see in it is a lot of this, this division. And when people look at us, if they know that you're a professed Christian, like Chris, people see you and they know that you love Jesus Christ and you spend your life going out and speaking on his behalf and, and living for him. What does that say to people when we're behaving the same way? As Christians, because what it translates to me is, is okay. Well, John or Chris, I I know you to be this way, but yet you're acting the same way that everything else you're complaining about, everyone else is. So, what is different about you? At that point, we've sort of lost our our ground as showing someone an example of how to live as Christ, because we're falling prey to this in society as well. And and you know, and that's the thing with trends. A lot of times, we find ourselves going with the flow because it's easier. But I see this a lot in our church. We're not just talking about some group that's outside of the Catholic Church. There's a lot of this that's going on from within. Yeah, we're talking about human nature, and we're yeah. and uh, and cancel culture's given us all permission uh, to act a certain way, and sure. we're going right along with it. And the Lord's calling us above the natural. He's calling us to be saints. And saints don't act the way that I see a lot of Christians acting right now. I, I'm I'm totally with you, brother. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there's an incredible culture of like judgment is actually celebrated. Yeah, the cancel culture sure. breeds this culture of, um, you know, I mean, I mean, John, as, as a white 42 year old man, uh, you should be suspicious of yourself, of every motive you have, of every bias you have. I mean, it's, it's the voice of the accuser of our brothers. Yeah, it's a it's a non redemptive way to see yourself. And, and they're saying, see yourself that way. It's the only path to redemption. Don't trust anything about how you see anything or treat anyone. And it's like, you know, the Lord, I mean, I, I, I you know, I, don't, I think the Lord likes us. He didn't just love us. I mean, he actually <laughs> yeah. wants us to like ourselves. That's right. <laughs> you know? yeah, and, you're um, right. Yeah, that, that's exactly yeah. right. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. No, man, you, you go, you go and I'll jump back into that. No, no. All I was going to say is I think, you know, there's a danger with all this stuff. We see a lot of of, like I said, the wokeism, all this, but also mindfulness and centering on oneself and always thinking about the way we feel and all these things. And I know we need to be speaking truth to ourselves, but also if we spend so much time talking, always wondering about what we should be doing and thinking and, and all of that, then we, we take ourselves away from what God has asked us to do, which is to actually be concerned about other people, right? To, yeah. to be centered and caring yeah. about other people. Yeah, it's, you know, I think of the way the Pharisees interacted with the Lord. They were just looking for his words to pick them apart, to trap him in his words. I mean, this is the way I'm seeing so many Christians uh, interact with each other, right? That, that we, we act like we're on the side of the accuser of our brothers. We're just watching and waiting yeah. and writing a quote down. And, you know, this bishop said that, that priest said that, Chris Stefanik said this. And I've, I've had people like a lot of folks on the, um, you know, who, or would describe themselves as left-leaning Catholics, just hate me, man, just hate me. But but the, I've literally had people that quote me out of context. It always surprises me because I there's one guy who was quoting me online um, with something that he literally took out of context, and I pointed out to him before I took it out of context, and then he tweeted it again like a week later. It's like, mm. dude, I just, oh, wait, you're not even an honest person. Okay. Like, you're, you're literally okay with with lying about me. 
Um, this is how we, but but this happens on all sides of the spectrum here right now. We yeah. we've become comfortable with going at each other. I mean, this is the the culture bred by cancel culture, uh, by the way that we interact online, by the way we interact on Twitter. It, it celebrates and encourages that, uh, and it's a certain type of insanity that I think the devil's really happy with. You know, yeah, that that we dare to presume to know somebody and all their motives based on the smallest amount of information. You know, uh, based on um, I mean, the, the last voting cycle, man, I can't believe how many people just presume to know everything about somebody else based on how they voted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's been it's been celebrated as like, well, way to be a hard hitting Catholic speaker. By saying all Democrats are going to hell, like what? What the heck are you talking about, man? Yeah, amen, amen. You know, I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't get me wrong. I certainly see problems with the Democratic Party and platform, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, and there's there's the church teaching that if you have commensurate reasons, you can vote for someone who is pro-choice, but not because they're pro-choice, because then you'd right. be separating yourself, I think, from the grace of God. Um, I, you know what? I don't think that we we had we had commensurate reasons, uh, but I respect people who do. I'm not going to say that like if you did this. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just going off on tangent here. But like, no, but really, it's, it's, it's the presumption to to know how to judge someone's soul. Saint Paul said, "I can't even judge myself in, in Scripture." You know, do do I? It's hard for me to even tell if I'm in mortal sin versus grave matter if I messed up in some big way. But then we have people publicly saying. It is mortal sin to vote for somebody. It's like, do you, I, you really? You can, I could see even making a case it's grave matter, but to jump straight from, just skip over that. To, to, no, I know exactly where your soul is. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. No, you don't. And and, and if we're going to, well, we, we can't, uh, you know, split hairs. Dude, when it comes to salvation from Jesus Christ, we're going we're gonna, to, let's split some hairs here, man. Yeah, let's be really clear sure. and specific what we're talking about. Um, and then, and then the flip side, you, you voted for Trump, you're a racist and, and we're comfortable just saying that the entire Republican party is racist. 70 million people are racist. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> nuts. And we're, and we're getting sucked right into it and we don't sound any different from anybody else. I mean, we, we sound just like the secular world and I'm all for disagreeing hard, hard, uh, having hard conversations about stuff and calling people out and trying to point the truth out to them. I mean, it's what I do for a living. Uh, sure. But if we sound like everybody else, why would anybody want to be part of us? Exactly. Amen to that. That's the point I was trying to make there when I said that is why would anybody want to be a part of what we're doing? Because it doesn't seem different. You know, Chris, in another point you just made right here, I know we got to wrap up in a few minutes. But um, one of the points that, that you made, too, is is that we are overly. How am I going to say this? I want to say this without messing it up. Um, you know, we we. Gosh, I am drawing a blank here. I'm sorry. All of a sudden, I lost my question there. No worries, <laughs> but, no worries. but but uh, you know, here at the here at the end of this thing, how do we how do we how are we different, right? So how do we live different? We've talked about the issues. We've talked about the problems. We've talked about what we all see in society. What is the answer to being to uh, forwarding change in this overwhelming tidal wave of all of this stuff? How do we need to start to 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 change things that we see in the culture right now? I'm glad the conversation just went where it did for for five minutes because it's uh, it's just a reminder to examine your conscience that that um, yeah you know we, yes we're followers of Jesus but we don't always act like it and we're not immune from all the stuff that we're seeing the world do yeah um, but I I think the constant gut check and way to examine our conscience is those two words truth and love yeah you know it, am I fudging on either one of those 
And if so, I'm not, I'm not acting like a follower of Jesus today. You know, I, so we have to calmly and consistently speak truth. And I think the silent majority has to stop being silent. <laughs> when it comes to these crazy issues that, that like all of us thought were crazy 10 years ago and that half of us still do, uh, what if millions and millions and millions of people all at the same time said, yeah, I'm not going to sign that document. Yeah, I'm not going to let you hand a condom to my kid in eighth grade. Yeah, I'm not going to have my first grade child who's confused enough about trying to figure life out now have to now have to think about what gender he or she is and that there's 50 possible genders or gender fluidity is an option. And you're telling me I'm mean um, for, for, for saying that's ridiculous. Like, no, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop speaking common sense. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop. You can't silence me. Uh, but then on the flip side is people come at us to say, um, I'm also not going to sound like the rest of the world. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be a voice of love and, and calm. Um, because we're, we're going to be judged on that too. Not only by men, but by God. Uh, perhaps above all, you know, um, so uh, there's a good examine of conscience, brother. Yeah, it's not easy and times, it's, man. It's not, it's, it's not. And I, I would say that one of the things that we need to really be focused on, too, is earning the right in someone's life to to speak anything. Right. I mean, so often with these things, we just as you said a minute ago, and that was what I was trying to think of a second ago, is we want to define somebody by one statement or one piece or one mistake or one fault and we don't ever earn the right to speak truth into that person's life or to even be able to say anything about their life. And, and that's something that we have gotten away from as a culture is actually sticking a hand out and saying, hi, my name's John, and I'd like to know you, right? I'd like to be your friend. I'd like to, yeah. to spend time with you before we ever start just judging and, and treating people in a certain way, no matter what that is. It's something that we've forgotten, and I hope it's something that we can get back to as a culture is, is earning the right in somebody's life to speak anything, whether it's truth or disagreement or whatever. Amen, man. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All I got for that is a big fat amen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, thank you. I mean, it's been such a pleasure. Like you said, we've worked around each other through Rise and through Virtual Catholic Conference and all that other stuff. It's been great to actually get to see you and talk to you on here. I know you've got a lot going on, so I want to give you just a, a few seconds here at the end to be able to tell people where they can find you, what you've got going on, and more about what you're doing. Yeah. We're, so we're Real Life Catholic. It's reallifecatholic.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Please don't just... People say that, but then they're like, yeah, well, newsletter, whatever. I don't know. They're in emailing my inbox. We give away <laughs> lots of stuff because we love you. So let us give it to you. And the only way to get it is our <laughs> newsletter. <laughs> uh, but we're, we're really on a mission to, to repropose the beauty and power and truth of the gospel to a world that's forgotten that we have the best news ever because we still do. And, mm -hmm. uh, and we try to make it easy for you to share that uh, through sharing our media and through uh, starting small groups in your home that we, uh, we make it easy for you to do. And, uh, and we also have great stuff. We're, we're doing to serve the poor and a mission in Haiti and, uh, and, and feeding uh, homeless kids. So, uh, uh, or uh, uh, all around the world. So it's, um, it's a beautiful mission that's trying to get back to what the first Christians did because it worked then and then it'll work again. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, Chris, thank you so much for everything you do. It just, you know, your speaking engagements, all of that stuff. You're just a gift to the church and it's an honor to be your friend, brother. So I appreciate you coming on here and, uh, and we hope to see you again real soon. Thanks, brother. Good to be with you. All right. See you later, Chris. Peace.